didn't see you hit start record. <laughs> uh, I've already had like two cups of this. I'm like, do I feel weird because I'm drunk or do I feel weird because my anxiety is like, I'm two seconds away from put your fingers here and feel my pulse. Your anxiety is very high today. Oh, I know. I can tell because you're very like, I don't know if I want to do this right now. Mm. <laughs> well, because it's like, I was excited when I woke up to do this and then that part of me, you know, that part that went, I hope she cancels. And then I laid in bed until like noon watching The Office. And I'm like, I'll get up and take a shower that way if she comes over. Then you're like, I'm on my way. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you said, uh, can you please take a little bit of more time? <laughs> I'm going to take a shower if that's okay with you. <laughs> like I needed permission. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I function. Is that okay? Is it okay if I shower? Would you be upset? Would it make you mad? I'm so sorry. Would you give me a ride? <laughs> can you give me a ride on this thing that's on your way? You know what? Don't. Only if it's on your way. Only, Only if it's You know what? Actually... The idea that you might have to break for five seconds to let me out seems like an imposition. I'm sorry. Forget that I ever said anything. Uh, are we even still friends? Do you hate me? And then you're like, I put the phone down to go to the bathroom and I come back and I've got 45 is, messages. This is real life. A real story. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I brought Boone's Farm and Red Solo Cups to really trash up the podcast today. Severn Arm sipping on Boone's Farm. That's one about murder. Oh, yeah. It tastes like Kool-Aid. Which one is this one? Snow Creek Berry. It said flavored apple wine, and I was like, mmm, apples and berries. Got it. So my mother-in-law told me about one that I haven't been able to find. And she said, you know how they have Strawberry Hill Boone's yep. Farm? She said there's one called Strawberry Daiquiri, and it's really good. I've seen and that she's before. On, okay, I cannot find it. You have to Googled go to, like, it? alcohol stores. Well, I have. <laughs> I don't know. But it's really not surprising that you can't find anything here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the most exciting thing about this town is us. Yas, queen. But, you know, hey, we're reaching places. We're just excited because we woke up today and see that our podcast is being listened to in, like, so many states. More than we thought. Absolutely. I'm not prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to be natural, but apparently it didn't work. Um, we woke up and we had listeners in our home state of West Virginia, mm -hmm. Maryland, Pennsylvania, District of Columbia. That's Washington, D.C. girl. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I was just reading. California, North Carolina, Virginia, Colorado, South Carolina, and Illinois. Yes. Yeah, but you didn't know some of those because you didn't know you could scroll. I didn't know. I, could, I only thought we had five. <laughs> How many listeners are we up to? How many listens? We have 90. 90. Woo! How many of that from you putting on repeat while you went to sleep? <laughs> only like two. Because when I woke up in the middle of the night, it wasn't playing anymore. And I was like, oh, well. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, oh, I'll have to send her a screenshot. But yeah, that's exciting. And we've got a lot of listens on Google, Spotify, podcast, uh, Apple podcast. Yep. We're available all kinds of places now. Don't forget to follow our Instagram. Yes. One about murder pod. We will make a Facebook when we're just not lazy. Yeah. I didn't we, think about it really. Well, yeah. Cause it's like, I've gotten people who are like, why haven't you? Well, cause we've had so much, you run a cookie company and you work full time and you have a kid and I've got kids and I work full time. And then it's like this research and this editing. And we then edited for a week straight on one. Yeah. We're doing our best, guys. Our program was having a meltdown. I almost quit the podcast. 
Yeah, it was not. <laughs> it was a really trying time, but we're still here, so that's. I think it's gotten better. I think it's gotten a lot better, but yeah. So very quickly, do you remember how you said that you were not, like massages are not your thing? Yeah, they are. They're your thing. They'll they're, never. They're your thing. No, why not you... listen. Listen. So first of all, you walk in, they give you weird shoes. And I'm like, I'm not putting these on. So then they get on. Well, you went to a real one. I went to a chiropractor. Well, listen. Okay, I'm listening. Oh, shut up. No, um, so then you get on an elevator and you go up to this like serene floor where no kids are allowed, no cell phones are allowed, blah, blah, blah. You're supposed to change your shoes. Didn't because I didn't know what to do. And I just walked around with holding these shoes like a big idiot. Then they call you in and all that good junk. You get like in your undies and bra or whatever. This you in your underwear and bra take me to this massage. No. <laughs> and then they cover you up with like warm blankies and stuff. And then they put these hot towels on you. Okay. So I had like three orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. She started, she like touches your face. And then like when she goes away from your face, she like lightly went away. And then she was just like, could you imagine me sitting there quietly and not being like, is this okay? Am I doing anything weird? Can you hear me breathe? Am I making you uncomfortable? Yeah, right. Um, it was amazing. That's the line. Not not how you feel the sound. <laughs> I just can't, girl. After the snotty massage. <laughs> girl, this hot chick touched all over my body and it was great. Hey, you're gay, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm just not comfortable in those kind of vulnerable situations. Yeah, me either, which made it really, like, exciting. Well, you were being know. touched by a woman for the first time. <laughs> touched <laughs> by the very first time. <laughs> so this was, like, a real massage parlor? Mm-hmm. Did it have a happy ending? No. Oh. I mean, I had a happy ending. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> Then I'm suddenly trying to Facebook her and be like, back off my girl. <laughs> it's so weird because you have this stranger, like, be so touchy all over you and like then you're just like bye <laughs> see you never i can't even put change in my wallet after i pay with cash without <laughs> panicking because there's people behind me making me feel like i'm uncomfortable i couldn't imagine a stranger mm -hmm. touching me you gotta do it you gotta let that guard down and do it i'm taking you <laughs> are you paying for it yep i'll, all take right. you I'll do it <laughs> you remember what did i say if it ain't free it ain't for me <laughs> if you're paying for it I'm in. The whole time I'm going to be looking over at you like, is it doing it for you? Only if you <laughs> make those faces. Hey. 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 It was also in the movies, you imagine like table, table, like side by side. We were head to head. Oh, for the couples thing. Yeah, isn't that really weird? I don't I like kept that. like lifting my head up and looking over and his Well, they do it in movies up. because they have to get a shot where they can talk to each other. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you have to be able to, they turn their faces and talk. That's why. But head to head. So you, you, if you lift up your head for a second, you just see the top of it. Yes. Man. Yes. No, not for me. <laughs> oh, I it's don't. for us. We're going. But yeah, I don't really have anything much to say. Other than I went to a concert, which was cool. Mm -hmm. And she did a shout out to rapist Brock Turner. That's right. We didn't forget. You're a rapist. But yeah, that's about it. So you want to take a quick break and then get started on the murder? Sure. Murder. Are you ready to start my murder? Because... Um. This is a true crime comedy podcast about murder. <laughs> Named Let's Fun About Murder. Because we forgot to mention it before. Well, no, you sang it for half That's a second. True. Let's fun about murder. That's true. Yep. So see, she just gave me like 10 minutes of grief about how I we... did not give you 10 minutes. Don't tell don't make it out like um you said, a pain. Hey, we 
<laughs> you need to wake up. <laughs> and it resulted in me slapping myself across the face. And then you did a couple spinnies in your chair, and yeah. you're good. It's just I'm really mellow today. I didn't sleep very well. I am hyper today, so. Good. Maybe I'll feed off your energy. Maybe. Energy. Energy. <laughs> All right, so you said last episode we should do some lesser known ones. Mm -hmm. So I did one that I Googled it and made sure that it hasn't really been covered. I didn't want a thousand podcasts to have done it before. So I Googled it and only one podcast I was able to find that's done it. And it was a quick like 36, 36 minute, please edit out 30 sex. I'm not. 30 sex podcast. <laughs> It was a 36-minute podcast called Criminal Discourse, and I actually um, I ended up listening to them, and I kind of liked it. So, yeah, they were pretty good. So, shout out to you girls. So, um, but yeah, so they're the only ones I saw cover it, and then there's a three-part YouTube uh, documentary series on them, um, and then there's a made-for-TV movie. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to watch it later, because it looks real good, but uh, um, I don't want to say it yet, because then it's going to say the title, but... And then I got um, a lot of my information from this book here. I'm showing it. Yep. Showcasing it like uh, Vanna White. Um, it's called Overkill and it's written by Lynn Riddle. So there's not a whole lot of information on this on the internet. It's very scarce. Um, but this book was like a gold mine. And it's upsetting because it's such tragic murder and like it changed a lot of stuff that you think it would be more well known, but it was a small town. Um, so I. I'm going to cover the murder of Lori Show. And the movie, now that I can say it, is called The Stalking of Lori Show. Hmm. So, all right. <clears throat> so, this is a, a 90s murder. So, just imagine all the big hair and the Aquanet. Yes. Bright colors. <laughs> oh, right. 90s was uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the Taco Lisa Bell Frank. cups. Lisa Frank. And then the, the blue and purples. Yes. Crayon looking colored lines. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, Lori Michelle Shaw was born January 27th, 1975 in East Lampeter or Lampeter, I don't know, Township, Pennsylvania, to a Hazel and John Shaw. Lori was um, born with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck three times and knotted twice. And uh. I know that like, it's really sad to think about, but at the same time, I feel like that's the ultimate foreshadow. Oh, no. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, oh, I, I read that. that and I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> that made me uncomfortable. But so due to this, labor was hard, and Hazel also had the flu, um, so she couldn't hold the baby for the whole first day. And she referred to Hazel. Hazel referred to Lori every day as a blessing because Lori, you know, with the difficulties surrounding the labor and stuff. So like, Hazel adored Lori. This was her blessing baby. Yeah, Ugh, this, and it was her only kid. Hmm. So um, Hazel and John so had some issues and had their first separation when Lori was two. And then they would continue to do that for the next eight years. So Lori, on and off. Yeah. Like the back and forth. Lori was described as a happy-go-lucky kid, started ballet at the age of three. And she was the youngest little one there in the class. And after ballet, she moved on to swimming lessons with her dad. And then she was an explorer and super ambitious. She often got hurt on her adventures, leading to several broken bones as a child. And Hazel just referred to Lori as a little klutz. Oh. Their relationship breaks my heart. There's just They were the perfect mother-daughter eventually. Just, John officially uh, left in July when Lori was 10. And so she blamed her mom for her dad leaving. And tensions grew. So when Lori was 11, she left her mom's and went to live with her dad. And it lasted three days. 
So she moved back in with her mom, Hazel, and then their relationship got better because uh, overcoming the conflict between them led to them becoming very close and actually best friends. Yeah. They had that mother-daughter best friend relationship, which is awesome. So uh, they were the typical mother-daughter type. Um, Lori told Hazel everything, and I mean everything. Stuff that she told her, I I wouldn't even tell my best friend. She was telling her mom, but you'll see later. She also maintained a close relationship with her dad, though, so she visited him often. So, All right, so Lori excelled in school. She was smart, and she was sweet. She even tutored and counseled students who were struggling. Like, this was it. She was just such a good girl. Mm -hmm. She picked a part-time job up at a Deb shop. It was a local women's clothing store to help her mom pay for their condominiums since Hazel was a hardworking single mom. Debs. 90s early 2000s i didn't know what this was do you not remember like it's where you go to get your prom dress oh yeah girl deb's that's where you went every year for your formal that was in the 90s though we didn't go to formal in the 90s no it was like 90s early thousands and then they closed i think i did get like a homecoming dress when i was like 13 probably okay um but yeah so like she's a teenage girl she got a job to help her mom pay rent how just driving home the point that this was such a good girl. She was so sweet and it makes it even more tragic. All right. Um, so she picked up a part-time job, helped her mom and uh, Lori's life was going great until she met a young couple, Lisa, Michelle Lambert and Lawrence Yukin. All right. So we'll get started on Lawrence. Um, Lawrence was born March 12th, 1971 in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. His mother, Johnny May Haynes. Yeah, that's right. Johnny May. The mom? The mom. Oh, no. Why? Why? Okay. <laughs> well, I, could, I don't think a dad's middle name would be May. I know, but Johnny. <laughs> but uh, so she was considered cold, never showing love or affection to any of her five kids. Sounds like my mom. <laughs> okay, that's sad. <laughs> uh, his parents divorced in June of 1973 when Lawrence was just two, and his mother remarried a year later in June of 1974. To a man by the name of Barry Lawrence, which is where Lawrence, you can, okay. Um, so Lawrence was very fond of Barry, and Barry was actually quite smitten with Johnny. Uh, Lawrence took Barry's last name, and uh, he was considered a funny kid, but not really bright. So that's what, every time I hear that, I just think, he is funny, but he's not real bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he struggled in school, and he wanted to drop out of school, but his mom wouldn't let him, so she... Uh, she told him he'll go even if she had to drag him there. So He was a natural athlete, shining on the football field and the baseball diamond. He did a bunch of other sports that I didn't even know what they were or care to list them because he's a dick. So, oh, okay. Um, in the 11th grade, Lawrence picked up a part-time job as a pool lifeguard where his blonde hair and tan caught the eye of several girls. And Lawrence was loving the female attention. Um, so I looked up a picture of this guy. <laughs> And when they say he got a bunch of female attention, I don't understand how. Look at that mullet. Oh, <laughs> oh no. He's not cute. There's not even a party in the back. <laughs> it's just. He had the squares face. He yeah. looks like he has to fart. <laughs> he's not. He's not cute. <laughs> and then, so it was like, he's getting all this attention. Oh, here you go. Here you go. There's a good one. Okay, there's the party. So <laughs> he's got this. Raging DC shirt and this weird mustache that looks like two buffaloes about to kiss. Picture it: <laughs> mullet, cross necklace, ACDC shirt, and then the Great. weird broken mustache. Yes. <laughs> so he he's, he looks like such a big dweeb, and then uh, she's kind of pretty, but you'll see. 
Okay. <laughs> so, uh, where he was working as a lifeguard is where he met his girlfriend, Lisa Michelle. Let's go to Melissa now. Lisa, who went by Michelle, so I'll call her Michelle a lot. Um, she was born September 9th, 1972, and she was bullied a lot when she was four. Her mother stated the neighborhood boy actually tormented her so bad it resulted in Michelle's arm being in a sling. The, I guess he pushed her down and broke her arm. Mm. So she was bullied pretty rough. Um, so, you know, making a murderer. Eh. Just because somebody pushes you down doesn't Well, mean. no, I mean, I was bullied and I didn't murder anybody that you know of. But <laughs> oh, okay. I know. But of. I'm just saying, like, it's like a lot of those typical murder stories start with either their parents are assholes, head trauma, or they were bullied. They're, you know, find another avenue. <laughs> but, or maybe people could just stop bullying. That'd be nice, too. All right. So uh, when she was seven, her mother was pregnant and she lost the baby late in pregnancy. And Michelle was really devastated. So at the age of seven, she helped her parents pick out a casket. Could you imagine mm, how tormenting that is? That's awful. Okay. Almost immediately after, her mom got pregnant again. And uh, so Michelle took on helping take care of her five-year-old brother who was still around. Because she already had two kids at this point. Um, so she was, like, taking the role of being the mom, taking care of her brother. And, I mean, she's, like, seven. So she's got a lot of responsibility. Um, and her mom so her mom was having a rough pregnancy. And she's really scared to lose it. So she put all her focus on being pregnant and not doing anything. And she was also suffering from depression really bad. Um, but the baby was born. Um, and then when Michelle was 12, her mom became pregnant again. But once again, she miscarried another kid. So right after that, Michelle's mom got pregnant again. I mean, this I feel like she was pregnant for like 10 years straight. Mm. Because it was like Michelle had to be mom to her other siblings so often because of it. Um, so, so she lost the baby. Once again, her mom was more devastated and sunk further into depression. So again, Michelle's mom got pregnant. Again, after that. And then uh, I don't think we're on, like, number five. So then Michelle took on the role as mom even more to care for herself and her two younger brothers, cooking and cleaning. Then the baby was born with complications and required constant care for two years. Mm. So instead, Michelle ended up moving in with her elderly elderly grand, grand aunt, great aunt, edit that or don't, <laughs> <laughs> for um, about a week. Because she had a stroke. And so they're making this 12-year-old girl live with this elderly lady and bathe her and change her diapers. Once again, a lot of responsibility for a kid. So much. So uh, while she was there, she had to be, bathe, feed her, change her diapers. Michelle was miserable. They were in the middle of nowhere with no television or phone. I was going to say internet, but, you know, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> so she, yeah, I mean, this is in the, this is in the 80s. So, yeah, there was no. Yeah. Um. All right. So... No TV, no phone, nothing fun to do in the middle of nowhere. After that, Michelle went back home with her mom and brothers and started high school where she was once again bullied for being a nerd. Um, she made good grades, but she hated being bullied so much that she let her grades fall. So she sacrificed her education just so she wouldn't be picked on. She started skipping class, sneaking out at night for hours. She's now hanging out with a bad crowd. Um, then Michelle met Lawrence at the pool of the summer of 1989. And Lawrence claimed they were madly in love. So he, so there's two different sides. He's he's smitten, says they're so lo in love. But Michelle claimed that Lawrence actually raped her. Um, and that she stated that it escalated and Lawrence started beating her and made her dye her hair from brown to blonde and wear tighter clothes to make her sexy, stating he was trying to make her look like his own Barbie. So like I said, two conflicting stories. He says he was madly in love. She says all this. But everyone who was around at the time said, that they have never heard him say anything to her, but she hit him. So I don't know who to believe in this. I, 
I don't know who to believe. I mean, in the end, they're all trash. So maybe they were all doing it. I don't know. But so it's two separate sides or it, they could have been pinned against each other later. And then they were just trying to make the other one look bad. Mm -hmm. So, um, alrighty. So Michelle dropped out of school, um, and moved in with Lawrence and his mom in your mom, in his mom's house. How old are they? So at this point they're like 17 and 18. Yeah. Um, so they break up and get back together all the time. They're that couple. And during one of the weeks of the breakups, Lawrence found comfort in Lori. Um, so they had met through mutual people and he was, he was pathetic according to Hazel's mom. And Lori was kind of just hanging out with him cause she felt bad. Like she was trying to make him feel better and she was taking pity on him, but he was just a downer, always crying about Michelle and he was just a big mess. So she was trying to be like how she counseled the other kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish she wouldn't have. Um, cause yeah, like I said, they're pieces of shit. So, uh, they hung out for like 10 days. Hazel stated that she thinks, like I said, she was only around to take pity on, on Lawrence. Um, they dated for 10 whole days. Uh, so Mich Lori dated Lawrence. Yep. What's the age difference? He's like 22 and she's like 17. That's not a lot. He, she's in high school and he's old enough to live on his own. I don't know. You're a 22 year old dude with a mullet hitting on somebody who goes to school. You would have graduated five years before her. So then while they were dating for the 10 days, uh, Lisa Michelle called Lori's home and spoke to Lori's mom and told her that she was pregnant with Lawrence's baby. Okay. So, yep. So then, uh, Hazel told Lori, you know, you need to break it off with Lawrence. And she agreed because if he's going to be pregnant have a baby with another girl, you really don't want to be in that mess. You're a teenage girl. Right. So then Lawrence moved back in with pregnant Michelle. And, uh, so she got her man back, but that wasn't enough. Uh, she was now holding a grudge against Lori for, you know, stealing her man mm -hmm. for a whole 10 days. Um, so this is when Michelle started stalking Lori, going to her work, calling her home, calling her names on the phone to Hazel. She called so often that Hazel actually changed their phone number. Uh, and then Michelle even went to Deb's, which was Lori's work. and started yelling, you fucked my boyfriend in front of everyone. And then, but you know, Lori hadn't. In fact, actually it was later revealed that Lawrence had date raped Lori. Yeah, yeah. They went on like a little, fourth of july thing and he raped her in the truck well supposedly raped her we don't know we weren't there yeah um so then michelle and a few other girls like tabitha buck remember that name you're gonna hear more about her later followed Lori outside of work and jumped her and they beat her up uh even one time they jumped her and lisa slammed Lori's head off of a truck uh so Lori and hazel called the cops and while talking to the cops uh that's when they made him aware of the date rape so they were going to try to press charges. Um, and then they pressed charges against Michelle as well. Nothing happened to Lawrence, though. So they were like, he raped her. And they were like, we'll, we'll look into it, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just they didn't really care. Uh, and then Lisa, Michelle got some simple assault charges, but that didn't stop her. That actually just made her more pissed. Now, her jumping her, uh, it, it's, it's believed that Lisa was more or less jumping Lori and trying to scare her because she had found out that she was telling people Lawrence raped her. And she was afraid that if something happened and Lawrence went to prison, she was going to be stuck raising a baby without him. Yeah. So she was pretty much assaulting and stalking Lori to scare her into not doing anything. So that that's pretty sense. much where that happened. Um, so then, like I said, Tabitha Buck was one of the girls that jumped Lori. So Tabitha Buck was born May 26, 1974 in Anchorage, Alaska to Alvin and Joanne Buck. Life was pretty hectic between Alvin and Joanne. There was nine kids 
and they had lived in 18 houses spanning five states by the time Tabitha was 17. So Tabitha had a pretty rough childhood. The kids ranged in age, and Tabitha would later state that the older kids, she was one of the little ones, were so rough once that an older sibling threw a young one through a wall. Through a wall. Through a wall. So these parents aren't paying any attention, and there's, like I said, nine kids. Oh, that's too many kids. So, and even if they had popped out a kid a year, that means... The oldest and the youngest is a nine-year age gap. Yeah. So that she said the, the older ones are bullying the younger ones. Um, the family was very poor, often cooking outside due to no electricity and putting about two to three kids per room. Years later, Tabitha's father was believed to be having an affair with a member of her mother's family, so they divorced. Um, rumor was he was fucking his wife's sister. So, mm. yeah. Um. Let's see here. Kids, uh, they separated, some living with the dad and some living with the mom. So Tabitha stayed with Joanne, her mom, and Joanne re- reconnected with her first husband, and the family uprooted to Pennsylvania. Tabitha didn't like Lee, which is her new stepdad, uh, referring to him as cold and unresponsive. And Tabitha hated it at the house and begged to live with her dad and her stepmom in Alaska, but her mom wouldn't allow it. Her mother and Lee then separated, and then they moved back again, uh, this time to Oregon. In 1990, her mother would move one last time back to Pennsylvania. So this is where it all starts. Because remember, this takes place in Pennsylvania. So now now all of them are in the same state at the same time. Um, So let's see. Tabitha rode the bus with Lori, but she never spoke to her. So that's how she knew Lori. And then she met Lisa through a mutual friend outside of school. And Michelle had already moved out, uh, dropped out of school at this time. So... She's just hanging out with high school kids, but she's not in school anymore. So now it's like um, Tabitha knew Lori because they rode the bus. Mm-hmm. And then a mutual friend, a guy friend, introduced Tabitha to Lisa Michelle. And then, of course, Lisa Michelle introduced Tabitha to her boyfriend, Lawrence. So right. that, that's how everyone knows everybody. Hazel had received a call um, claiming that to be the guidance counselor, stating that they needed to have a meeting regarding the interaction between Lori and another classmate. So it was stated... Um, the counselor told her that Lori was in some trouble with some boy at school, but that didn't sound like Lori. But so Hazel's mom was pretty skeptic, um, but she went anyway. Hazel was told to meet the counselor at school at 7 a.m. on December 20th, 1991. So Hazel waited, but the counselor never showed up. And she said she had a strange feeling in her stomach and she became really frustrated. So at 7.07 a.m., she decided to peace out and head back home. She lived about 10 minutes away from school. So uh, she heads home. Hazel pulls up to the apartment building and uh, gets out in the lot to be stopped by an elderly neighbor um, who lived actually right below them. And the neighbor said, uh, hey, is everything okay?" And confused, Hazel's like, well, why? What's going on? And the neighbor went on to tell her that they heard a commotion coming from upstairs in their apartment. So the person stated that they heard a weird knock and then a bang and then some scuffles and then a scream and then another bang and then the door slammed. So, um, and at this point, Lori should have already left. Lori was supposed to be picked up by her boyfriend, Brad. So she had a new boyfriend. And he was supposed to pick her up and bring her to school. She would have already left. So Hazel just assumed maybe they heard Lori rushing out of the apartment in a hurry to, mm-hmm. to not be late. And that the slamming of the door was her just slamming it, locking it real quick. So uh, Hazel entered the apartment and it was quiet. So she must have left by now. So she passes by the bathroom and notices Lori's curling iron was still plugged in and it was on, which was really unlike Lori. So she unplugged it and decided she was just going to peek in Lori's room, make sure everything was okay. Uh, So she peeked in the room and Hazel's worst fears were playing out in front of her eyes. 
Lori was laying on the white plush carpet, covered in blood and gasping for breath, and her arms were jerking at her side and her throat was gurgling. Oh, God. Uh, this one's rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hazel yelled for a neighbor to call 911 and grab Lori. White rope was wrapped around her neck. It was kind of the rope that you would, um, I think I actually have some over there. It's, it's what you would use to hang up clotheslines outside. Like twine. To, yeah. Yeah, that's a good word for it. I was like, the white, thin, weird, wiry rope. Um, so then uh, Hazel grabbed some scissors nearby, remember the scissors, and cut it. Didn't realize what it was doing, and it caused Hazel, uh, Lori's head to fall back and expose that her throat had been slashed so deep you could see her spine. So it was like the rope was holding her head on. And she cut it off. She cut it off. Oh, no. Uh, in that moment, Hazel had realized that the meeting with the counselor was fake. And yeah. it was just to get her out the house long enough. Uh, Lori gurgled and whispered, Michelle, Michelle did it. Michelle, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh and God. then she whispered one more time, I love you, but nothing came out. Lori's pulse was weak and it was fading. And then the police and the paramedics arrived at 745. By then, Lori was dead. While the paramedics loaded Lori into a bag, Hazel told the police about the abuse, the threats, the stalking, and everything Michelle had done. And about Lori's last words. Lori had died a month short of her 17th birthday. Mm. She was 16. Within hours, Michelle Lambert, Tabitha Buck, and Lawrence Yukin were picked up by the police at a bowling alley. Oh, let's just go bowling alley. Like, you know what? <laughs> that was a long day. Let's go relax. Oh, my God. Yeah, they just went bowling. But Lawrence well, they was were a probably bowling. trying to get an alibi, too. No. No? No, Tabitha went to school. <sighs> oh. Yeah. Like... Obviously, Lawrence had graduated. Um, yeah. Lisa had dropped out, and then Tabitha was still in school. They dropped her off of school. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> you remember, this happened right before school. And mm -hmm. They were like, well, let's just drop her off. So, yeah, they picked him up at the bowling alley. Initially, the testimonies from the three claimed that Lawrence dropped off Michelle and Tabitha at Lori's apartment. Then he parked a few blocks away. The place was... Um, the plan was for Michelle and Tabitha to get in the apartment, tie up Lori, and then use a knife to cut her hair as a prank. How is that a fucking prank? Yeah, that's not cute. And why a knife if you're going to go cut her hair? Well, not scissors. Exactly. No. So that's why you said that? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. The scissors come back later. Well, I was thinking, why would you do with the knife when there's scissors laying right there? No, they didn't. Mm -mm. They didn't go in there when the scissors were there. So that's how you know. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. You don't take a knife to cut someone's hair. Yeah. You were there to murder her. Mm -hmm. But so that's what they claimed. They were going to tie her up and cut her hair as a prank. What an awful prank, by the way. Whoopie cushions are a prank. And that's your story? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? That's still not a good story. I'm just going to grab story. her and cut her hair off. Yeah, that's still not a good thing to tell the cops, but... Okay. Well, no, that's an awful alibi as to what you were really doing mm -hmm. there. Two, what a shitty prank, though. That's not a, that's not a prank. A prank would be like <laughs> I put Nair in her shampoo bottle and something. That's not a prank! Oh, I did it once <laughs> to my sister. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> okay, well, all right, fine. Then back to the whoopee cushion. You whoopee cushion somebody for a prank. Um, so Lawrence stated at first he didn't even know Lori was dead. And they were like, well, what were you doing there? And they're like, we were going to cut her hair. And they're like, did you know that we found her dead? And he was like, oh, what? <laughs> dead? Oh, no. I was just bowling. <laughs> so, uh, but then later he admitted he fabricated the alibi uh, for the girls. And he actually helped dispose of the evidence. Autopsy showed that Lori's body had a five-inch gash in the neck and a stab wound that had actually punctured her lung and grazed her spine and a cut penetrating her pelvis and several defensive wounds. They just stabbed her in the crotch. Ugh. 
Yeah. Um, all three would remain in prison until the trial began in July of 1992. Lisa, who was no longer going by Michelle because she dramatically claimed that that part of her was dead now. <laughs> okay. She re-imaged herself. Lisa, Michelle is dead. I am Lisa. Dramatic. Um, oh, and reminder, remember she was pregnant and that's why Lori called it off with Lawrence? Mm -hmm. By the time that they had murdered her, she was six and a half, seven months pregnant. So she is murdering a girl with a giant stomach and you most people have zero energy yeah i couldn't even get up and go to work this girl's like i'm gonna murder somebody today that's crazy so yeah like in your head when you realize that they killed it i keep forgetting she had a huge stomach she was pregnant yeah um so she gave birth to her daughter in prison of march of, of that year so in 1992 so the uh, trial began in july and by then she had already given birth uh, Lawrence was offered a deal um, if he pled guilty to third-degree murder for just driving the getaway car and hiding evidence in exchange to 10 to 20-year sentence. So he was getting, like, the deal of a lifetime. You were part of a murder, but if you just say, I'll testify against them, you can do, like, so 10 he's, years. he wasn't there. He was, and this is where it gets conflicting. He drove the getaway car. Yeah. We do know that. There was nothing to ever state he was in that apartment. Now, Lisa, a.k.a. Michelle or whatever she goes by, would later claim that she stood outside while Lawrence and Tabitha did it, but there was no, nothing ever put him in that apartment. They're all going to say the opposite. Of they're all, yeah, they're, they're all play, playing the, the blame game. I truly believe by reading the book that Lawrence was just in the truck and he's just an idiot. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you remember, he was real funny, but he ain't real bright. Yeah. So I think he agreed to let her, like, maybe he knew they were going to kill her and he was like, well, if it gets me out of rape, do it. But I, I don't think he actually, actually, like, I don't think he touched her um, in the murder aspect. He, I don't think he was in that apartment. Okay, so Tabitha and Lisa had separate trials where they blamed each other, pointing the finger. She did it. No, she did it. No, she did it. Of course. So, here we go. So, there's two stories. I'm going to tell each side, and then you can decide which one you believe, which okay. one seems more, more sense. So, all right, Lisa, a.k.a. Michelle, a.k.a. that bitch. <laughs> Um, stated that Lawrence dropped her and Tabitha off and they went into the condo just to intimidate Lori. Remember, they were going to cut her hair mm -hmm. with a knife. Sure. Okay. So Tabitha knocked on the door and supposedly this part they believe is real because Hazel said Lori would have never opened that door for Lisa Michelle. Remember, she was beating her up and stalking yeah. her. So this part might be real. Tabitha knocked. Lori opens the door. Tabitha rushes her. Then she has her on the floor and is beating her up. So Lisa, a.k.a. Michelle, whatever we're calling her nowadays, um, states she she thought that Lori was pregnant. Why? I don't know. I guess she heard a rumor. Yeah. She was like, maybe she's pregnant, too. Or she was just saying this to make her story more believable. Yeah. She said she was wrongly believed she was pregnant, too. Tried to stop Tabitha and to protect the unborn maybe baby. <laughs> Tabitha responded by hitting Michelle and knocking her down. And then Tabitha hit Lori so hard that she heard her neck snap. Hmm. Tabitha then began sawing Lori's throat with a knife while Lori continued to struggle. So Tabitha stabbed her in the back. She stated that, uh, that Lori begged her not to leave. Like she's screaming, don't let her kill me. This is remember, this is Lisa Michelle's story okay. that Tabitha's on top of, of Lori hacking away. And she says that Lori screams, don't leave me, Michelle. Don't leave me. Um, so then Michelle stated that after she begged her not to leave, she tried to drag Lori outside to safety, 
but Tabitha tugged harder and won. Okay. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So you're telling me the girl that you hate because she told everyone that your boyfriend raped her and then you stalked her is suddenly begging for your help and you're just letting someone else kill her. You're trying to help her and somebody else is killing her. The person who has nothing sure. to do with her sure. wants to kill Lori and, and you're trying to save her. Trying to be the big hero. and Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after she lost the tug of war. <laughs> yeah. Michelle said she fled, she fled downstairs where she ran into Lawrence, who told her, stay put. You just stay here and I'll handle this. And she said he went up to the apartment and then him and Tabitha came back down and they all piled in the car and drove off where they went home to clean up and then dropped Tabitha off to school like nothing happened. And then they disposed of the bloody clothes and the weapon. So they threw the knife in a river nearby and the clothes in a dumpster behind a Kmart. Okay. So we know that part's true. We do know that they went back to their trailer and then they cleaned up, took showers, threw the stuff away, and that they brought Tabitha to school. The part we don't know what happens is really what happened in the apartment. Right. But yeah, they just dropped off Tabitha to school. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. We'll pick you up later. How are you going to go to school and be fine? Apparently nobody knew. So <sighs> <clears throat> she couldn't have been that torn up about it. Mm. Um, so then let's see. Now we're on Tabitha's story. So How do psychopaths find each other like this? I could barely find somebody who's interested in the same shit I am. Exactly. That's How, pretty normal. Like, do you look at somebody and like... You ever thought about killing somebody? Yeah, and somebody's like, you know what? I'm free Saturday. They're like, let's go. Like, right. how? 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 Okay. Because there's like the... Yeah. And crazy attracts crazy, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Because like I said, I could barely get somebody to hang out with me and do normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right. So now Tabitha's story. So here we are. Tabitha stated that once they were in the apartment, Michelle or Lisa... Whatever. <laughs> Pulled out a knife and lunged at Lori. And Tabitha said she tried to separate him. So she said she was a mediator. Like, get off, get off. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, they were just all full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, that, um, and that, when she jumped in, and maybe this part's real. Because she said that when she jumped in, it gave Lori a break. And Lori took off. Because you remember, Lori was in the bedroom. So Lisa's claiming that they, they beat her up. But wouldn't, wouldn't they be in the living room? If they rushed her out the door and immediately started beating her up, they would still be in the living room. This story, Tabitha says she jumped in, tried to pull off Michelle, and that gave Lori a a, a chance to break and run to the bedroom to try to shut the door. So uh, it gave her a chance. She runs. Michelle caught her before reaching the phone in her bedroom and beat her up with the blunt end of the knife. And then Lori tried to defend herself, reached for a pair of scissors on the table, and started hacking away. So this is why she had defensive wounds. So that's why I'm thinking the story makes more sense. And that's the scissors was, was there sitting, blood on the scissors? I don't know. Her mom didn't. Her mom picked them up to cut the rope. I think her mom would have noticed if there's blood on them. Yeah. But so now, like that would make sense why the scissors are out. Yeah. So, um, and then while Lori reached for the pair of scissors, Tabitha kicked him out of the way. So Tabitha, even in her story, she's telling, like, yeah, I kind of fucked up. I held this girl down. I did this. You know, like, she's not pretending she was a savior like Lisa Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, So she said she kicked the knife away. um, And then Michelle demanded that Tabitha cut Lori's throat. When she refused, Lisa Michelle struggled with Lori, cutting her hands and her legs in the struggle, which might be where we got the stab in the pelvis. And um, Tabitha blocked the escape. And then, like I said, there's so that this big pregnant girl is sitting on Lori and Lori is twisting and turning. And Lisa Michelle stabs Lori in the back 
by accident. And then Tabitha claimed that when she stabbed her, when she heard the stab, they heard a hiss. <gasps> and that they knew in the moment oh, they, no. had, they had pierced Lori's lung. And then um, Tabitha claimed at this point she, she went along with it as a mercy killing. Like, she's going to die. Anyway. Oh, bullshit. Maybe. Maybe not. Bullshit. I mean, I truly believe Lisa Michelle killed this girl and Tabitha was being an idiot and helped. You know what I mean? Maybe. But maybe that's why she was like, okay, I'm just going to let her kill her because she's going to die anyway. I mean, she was there helping, but I'm saying, like, Lisa wanted her dead because of the crap with Lawrence. Tabitha probably just wanted to beat her up and then was like, well, now we have to kill her. So either way, Tabitha blocked the escape after the stab that pierced along. Tabitha told them that she sat on Lori's legs and held her down while Lisa slit her throat. Oh my god! So like I said, even in her story, she's still a villain. She's not. She's not sugarcoating it. Yeah. So, uh, but that also makes me think it more believable because she's straight up saying, "I sat on her legs. I made sure she had nowhere else to go." Because then, Lisa Michelle's story: How would Tabitha have been strong enough to overpower her? Yeah. So, I don't know. All right. So, at the trial, the prosecution did try to go for the death penalty for both Lisa Michelle and Tabitha. At the time of the murder, remember, Tabitha was only 17 and Michelle was 18. So, Tabitha's technically a minor. Both were found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Lisa was convicted of first-degree murder, while Tabitha was convicted of second-degree murder. So, I guess even the prosecution at the two different trials believed the story that Lisa mm -hmm. Michelle killed Lori and Tabitha held her down and helped. So I believe that. I do too. I mean, what did Tabitha have? Uh, it was clear that Lisa wanted this girl gone. She yeah. was about to get her boyfriend in trouble for rape. Tabitha was just a bad kid. I feel like they just conned this high schooler into helping. Yeah, because she had that shitty childhood. Her, mm -hmm. her parents didn't paying attention to her. She had a stepdad she hated. They moved around a lot, so she never really had friends. This was probably her one connection. Because it was probably the first friend she made because she lived in 18 homes. Yeah. Okay, so as soon as they're uh, put in prison, go to old Lisa Michelle, immediately started working on her appeals. Right? Yeah. yeah. So six years later, her appeal made it to federal court. Just after, And after three weeks of trial, her attorneys were able to convince a judge that she had been framed and the prosecutors planted evidence because they wanted to keep her quiet. So this is where it gets weird. She claims, Lisa Michelle claimed that a year before the murder, five cops decided to gang rape her. Okay. Now, I will not, I'm not the kind of person who's like, well, she's lying about rape because I, I don't know. We weren't there. But it does seem kind of convenient. Yes. So, because um, I'll never victim blame and I'm never going to say, well, she's probably lying. But it, in this circumstance, it seems a little harder to believe. Let's figure out a way to get me out of trouble. I'll blame the people who put me in trouble. Yeah. So something. she claimed that five cops gang raped her about a year before the murder. And her defense lawyer claimed that they planted the evidence to frame Lisa and uh, to keep her from testifying against them. The uh, They did do an investigation. The police officers were cleared of all accusations. So <clears throat> that's how that happened. <laughs> so the the judge actually found her innocent, deciding that the prosecution... Prosecutorial, how do you say this? Prosecutorial? Yeah. The prosecutorial misconduct. So they claimed that they weren't handling it properly. And Lisa Michelle Lambert was set free. <gasps> Excuse me? Yep. Went out. She just left prison. 
for 10 months, just walked around. But like, but, mm -hmm. but, but then what? Yep. Okay, continue. I need to know what, where she is. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Michelle is a mess, girl. So she's out for 10 months and it, then it took 10 months for a judge, for that judge's decision to be overturned. Thank God. <laughs> and for Lisa to be sent back to prison where she remains till this day, having exhausted all of her appeals. So, um, yeah, a, a judge was like, no, what? No, she shouldn't be free. She, even if she didn't commit the murder, she was there for the murder. I mean, she would, she needs to be in prison. But the problem was, is they set her free stating that it wasn't a fair trial. She was framed and there was misconduct because of possible rape. So that judge was like, well, we'll just take her out until we figure it out. Instead of keeping her there for a retrial, they let her go. That's so crazy. But then it was overturned, slammed back in prison. Um, so she, uh, Lisa was not a model prisoner. She was the rape story left and right. So Lawrence raped her. Now five cops raped her. In 2007, she claimed that she was raped and assaulted by a state prison staff in 1996. So this is the third rape claim. She stated that the institution had done nothing to stop the assault. So she sued the prison and she received a settlement of $35,000. Um, and the guard was actually convicted of the assault and served a year and a half to three years in prison. So maybe she was telling the truth on this one. So either way, um, she got 35 grand. The money was given to Lisa's daughter that was born, um, who's actually living with Lisa's parent. So now Lawrence, um, remember that 10 to 20 years, yeah. he was released in 2004 after his third parole attempt after serving 12 years. Hmm. He remains in Lancaster County and, uh, he's an avid bowler with 731 followers on Instagram. Why do I know that? Cause I found him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should follow him. But then I was afraid if I did and he saw the podcast, he would know why I'm there. But according to his, uh, his Instagram, um, he's married and has a kid and he follows God. And yeah, I mean, okay. I guess he found Jesus after murder. Don't they all? <laughs> so, so yeah, he's, he's got, he's on a bowling league. He's got mm. a bowling league, but you remember they picked him up from the bowling alley. So I guess that's his thing. All right. So, here we go. Tabitha Buck. On November 22nd, 2017, Tabitha Buck was resentenced to a term of 28 years to <gasps> life. So you remember she was given life without the possibility of parole. But when she the murder was committed, she was only 17. So she was a minor. Mm -hmm. So um, so like I said, in 2017, they resentenced her to a term of 28 years to life due to the fact that the Supreme Court had a ruling banning any mandatory life sentences for minors because that wasn't in effect at the time. Okay. So, um, and then they said they found it unconstitutional and uh, not to allow parole for a minor that was sentenced. So the su Supreme Court had put this into effect in 2012 because it was passed in 20, it happened in 2017, it was passed in 2012. And in 2016 is when the state of Pennsylvania was ordered to go back and review all previous juvenile cases. One of them being... Tabitha Buck. So um, they said that she would be eligible for parole in December of 2020 and that if she was paroled, she would be ordered to pay the prosecutorial fees for the resentencing because um, they were going to do it for free. They're not yeah. going to do a whole trial and not make her pay for it and pay Hazel um, show, which is Lori's mom, $7,738 in restitution for funeral expenses. Okay. So <laughs> they said 2020. On Christmas Day, 2019, 
just now, just recently. They paroled her. Yep, because she was a minor. So she got out. Um, yeah, I told you about that. I was like, I think I'm gonna do this murder because they let her out like today. I kind of is it bad that I kind of feel bad for her? I think she was caught up in a bad situation. I do too. I think she was very influenceable and was like, these are friends and I'm not, I didn't grow up with any, like. Well, she uh, did. She grew up with her parents, but it's like, she was, it was out mess. of nine children. So obviously she's not getting a lot of attention. And then her mom remarried and she hated her stepdad. And they moved 18 times in five states. So how many schools did she go to? Yeah. How many times did she have to have new friends? So yeah, that, and once they were in prison, Lisa Michelle was the one starting all the shit. Doing appeals, claiming everyone's raping her. Tabitha just served her time. Yeah. She did nothing. Like, she just quietly served her time. She cut all ties to Lisa Michelle. Um, but when, when Lisa Michelle was in there, she was writing letters to Lawrence at first. And there was a letter called, I think it was called 27 Questions. It was like, do you still love me? <laughs> uh, do do you think I should take the fall for you? All kind of, she was trying to kind of like bait Lawrence into writing a letter yeah. admitting he was the one who did it. So she would have it. She was just causing all kinds of problems. And then of course she got out of prison. Uh, so she was just, um, also let's get back to real quick. Lawrence was ordered to pay $12,000 to Hazel. Uh, so now Tabitha has to pay 7,700. Lawrence has to pay 12,000. But Hazel said, it's not about the money. It's about the fact that I want them to think about it every time they make a payment. Exactly. You don't get to forget what you did. Um, so make this payment. And I don't even know what she did with the money. She seems to be fine. All right. So let's get back to Lisa Michelle. Uh, she wrote a book <laughs> since she's been incarcerated about her version of the events called Love, Murder, and Corruption in Lancaster County. My story. And it was published February 15th of 2016. It's on Amazon. I'm not buying it. <laughs> Heck no. No, I don't give. A, but in the book, she says um, she was controlled by Lawrence and that it was all Tabitha's idea and that she was just trying to be Tabitha's friend and that Lawrence controlled her. And every time she called and cursed out Lori and Hazel on the phone, it was because Lawrence told her to do it. That every time she beat up Lori, it was because Lawrence told her to do it and that she wasn't even there and that. She changed her story like four times. So that was like the first trial, the second trial, and not the book. In the book, she claimed she didn't even go in the apartment at all. And it was Lawrence mm -hmm. and Tabitha while she just sat outside biting her fingernails. Oh, yeah. How were those reviews? Did she even have any? <laughs> yeah, she had reviews, but I mean, it was most like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's still in prison serving her term at Massachusetts prison in Farmingham. I don't know where that is. And then, like I said, they made a movie called The Stalking of Lori Show in 2000, um, and it was a made-for-TV movie. So, All right, so now we're – Lisa's in jail. Tabitha's been released recently. And I kind of creeped some of Lori's family members on Facebook <laughs> to see what they had to say about the release, and they are not happy because they don't – They're she's not innocent to them. Tabitha deserves to be in prison forever, yeah. which, I mean, I agree. Mm -hmm. You're – you're part of the reason a 17, a 16 year old, because she died a month before 17, 16 year old died in her mother's arms. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so Hazel actually did an interview where she said she actually feels lucky about how the murder happened because most parents, kids. Pause, little ears. <laughs> Come on, guys. Excuse me. We're busy. Can we help you? Is it messed up? Yeah. Is this why you're here? Yeah. 
Okay, there you go. Your soap cutting game on my phone. Boy, that's good it's for good. anxiety, though. I love the one that cuts in the kinetic sand. Um, so Hazel actually said that she was kind of happy, like, not happy, but the way the murder happened gave her closure. Because she said most parents, when their kids are murdered, the parents aren't there. Yeah. But she was able to get there in time and ha hear her last words and tell her she loved her and held her while she passed. Like she got to, she said, I was one of the lucky parents that in this tragic situation, I got to comfort my kid into the passing. Oh, but, ugh. I don't know. I think that would be hard to see them. I'd like to remember them and say, but also if something happened to my kids, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to be there. Oh, that one's hard. That one's really hard. But um, so Hazel since then has remarried and now her name is Hazel Whitehead. She still lives in that same apartment. Oh my God. There's no way. And she never Ugh. changed Lori's room. She kept it the same way as she was when she died. Kind of like a time capsule from 1991. All of her movie posters and boy band posters are still up. The probably really lame corded phone. What about the blood stain on the carpet? She probably ripped that carpet out. Okay, well, I would <laughs> hope so. God. Besides, white plush isn't in anymore, and it was a white plush carpet, so that's probably long gone. Um, so she actually, since then, devoted herself to um, to try to put, push stricter anti-stalking laws. Yeah. Because if Lisa would have been punished for stalking and abusing and, and threatening Lori, she might have been in prison and this never would have happened. But yeah. they didn't take it serious. It was the 90s. So she pushed for stricter anti-stalking laws in Pennsylvania to try to protect, uh, protect future victims from the same fate as Lori. Yeah. A new anti-stalking law was actually signed into effect on June in June of 1993 because of her. Wow. So her hard work helped possibly save future people from the same fate. So, And that's pretty much how it is now. Her room's still a... Uh, it's still a time capsule to her, and she lives in the same apartment that with is, her husband. That is so crazy. I have, I would have left. I probably wouldn't even live in the same state. Yeah. She's how she wanted. She, she said in the interview and in the book that she can feel Lori in the apartment, and she doesn't want to leave her behind. Oh, my God. That's she so says sad. she feels her presence there, and she said, oh, this gave me chills. Even though the most tragic thing, oh God, I'm trying to cry. Even though the most tragic thing that ever happened in her life happened in that apartment, so did some of the best parts of her life with Lori. Yeah. Yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> because, so she said, this is the apartment where my daughter died, but this is also the apartment where my daughter and I had the most laughs and the best memories. And those are more powerful to me than that. And I can't leave Lori behind. That's a strong ass woman. She's like in her 70s now. She's got married. Her husband moved in the apartment with her. He supports her for it. Yeah. Good man. Mm. So that is the murder of Lori show and uh, the stupid fake ass story of Lisa Michelle Amber. <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, I tried to drag her, but Tabitha was too strong. We played tug of war. We played tug of war and she won. No. Besides, that's her trying to make it seem not as like, we'll just say we played taco. Like, it's just she mm. tried to innocent. It. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, it was a game. Mm. But also when she claimed that Tabitha struck her down when Lisa tried to be like, stop. And so Tabitha slapped her and was like, get out of my way and knocked her down. And she's like, poor me. I'm sorry. You jump people. <laughs> yeah. You call and you. I highly doubt you to let somebody hit you. 
No. No. So, yeah. So you think it was Lisa? Yeah. We still don't. There's no definitive. We still don't know. And we might. We'll I mean, we can. Know. No, because, I mean, Lisa's never going to change her story. Mm-mm. And Tabitha's not going to. Well, cha- actually, she might change it. <laughs> she- five more times. <laughs> <laughs> She's never going to change the narrative that she wasn't the murderer. And Tabitha's story is existed. She says, I'll be honest. I knocked the scissors out of her hand so she couldn't protect herself. I'll be honest. I sat on her legs and held her down. Yeah. And that makes me believe it more because she's like, no, I did it. She's not like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't there. I just yeah. sat outside, bit my nails while somebody's boyfriend did it. Wow. Um, that was yeah. a lot. Good job. Sorry it was a little confusing. There I was mean, a lot it was of names. just a lot of information. I mean, because you what, did really good with the details. There's three murderers, technically. Mm-hmm. And a Technically two victims, Lori and Hazel. Yeah. So it did get confusing. And it's also like Lori and Hazel were best friends. So it was like they they were always together. So it's like the story had them together. Because it's like like when I said Lori told Hazel everything, Hazel even knew about the rape. Like yeah. she said mom she came home. She said she came home after the date and was like, Mommy rape me. Most mom, kids don't do that. Most mm-hmm. teenagers aren't that close to their mom. Yeah. But yeah. So that's that's that. Whew. That one was dark. That was a lot. Big pregnant girl kills gar- a girl that might have slept with her boyfriend. Insane. Yeah. Okay. So now we have to do what we call the light over the stove. That's the best. That's every segment that makes us happy at the end is now called the light over the stove. Or we could call it the light in the fridge. No, yeah. that doesn't like. No, that doesn't light up the house. It just lights up my soul when I'm eating at two in the morning. Okay, so now normally we've been doing where, like the last two episodes where we did crazy deaths. So let me ask you, do you want me to do more crazy deaths or do you want me to tell you the funny, gross story of the guy who tried to break into my house naked? Tell me the story. Okay, so this is what we call it. What what did I name it? The Naked Meth Man. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right, so we'll tell this one because it's like a five minute story and it's really funny. It's really scary, but it's funny. So Eric and I are upstairs um, and we were watching TV at our old house. And it was not in the best neighborhood, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, not in the best episode, uh, not in the best neighborhood as a uh, downplay, but okay. <laughs> it was a decent house. It was just mm-hmm. where it was. So uh, we're upstairs, and then we hear, "Help! Help! They've got a gun!" So uh, we run downstairs, and Eric's dumbass went to unlock the door, and I had to put my hand on it. Don't open the door. So then I screamed through the door, like. Um, yeah, can we help you? And he's like, help, they've got a gun. You gotta let me in. And I went, I'm not gonna let you in, but I'll call the cops. So I call the cops and uh, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, there's this guy outside screaming that somebody's out there with a gun. And they're like, okay, well, don't open the door, but ask him if the guys out there with the gun are still there. So our cops know if they need to have their weapons ready. So I yell, are they still there or is there anything we need to know? And he goes, they're not still here, but you should probably know I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I peek my head out the window near my door and I see a big bare white ass <laughs> covered in meth marks. And then it hits me. I can smell him through the door. <gasps> he stunk. He probably hadn't bathed in like two weeks. And, and I asked my dad about it. Cause I was like, dad, you were, you did drugs in the eighties. Why would somebody be high and not bathe in a while? And he was like, oh, if you're, you're dirty and your, your pores are clogged, it holds the drugs in longer and you trip for longer. So you don't sweat That's it out. That's a thing? Apparently you can't, it keeps you from sweating it out. 
whatever. Oh. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> when I was like, how do you know this stuff? He just said it snowed a lot in the 80s, which was his euphemism <laughs> for it. Was There was cocaine involved. Um, so I opened the, I looked the window and oh my God. He, and then I yell at the lady on the dispatch. He's naked and I can see his dick. <laughs> so she's like, you have to pass a blanket through the door so he doesn't expose himself to children. So now I'm opening this door with this little crack and just imagine my arms like <laughs> making this weird wiggle so that you can't see me. And I'm putting my arm out with this, like this, what do you call sleeping bag? Unfolded sleep. I was like, here, take it. You can have it. Please cover yourself. Cover. Sir. So then he <laughs> wraps himself around. Then he sits down, crisscross applesauce on my welcome mat, which meant when you sit down and your legs are crossed, your butt cheeks spread. Right? Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. They spread a little. His butthole was on my welcome mat like a cat. <laughs> and that meant his nutsack was sitting right over that O for welcome. Okay, okay. So okay. he's sitting there naked. I had to throw that mat out because once somebody's balls are on it, no. So then the cops show up. And of course, I sent you videos of this. Remember, I was outside. You were giving me the play-by-play, and I was here for it. <laughs> Shooting videos. And I'm like, cops are here. Here's this guy. So the cops roll up, and they're like, hey, man, when's the last time you did math? <laughs> <laughs> Not like, what's going on, buddy? They're just like, when's the last time you did math? And he's like, I never done math before. And then this cop dead ass goes, now, I know we arrested you last week for it. So I'm asking you again. <laughs> When's the last time you uh, you got high off of meth, buddy? And he went, I don't know, maybe earlier today. <laughs> the cop looks at him and goes, um, do you think there's a chance you uh, you did some meth and got real hot, took your clothes off and forgot about it? <laughs> he screams, no, they had a gun and they made me strip down in the street and they took my clothes. And he's like, how about we go find these people who took your clothes? So now these cops are leaving my porch with this guy wrapped in a big green sleeping bag. His little ball sack hanging out. <laughs> This, so I after they're gone, I open the door and the smell hits me. So the first thing I did was like put gloves on, roll up the carpet, the mat, and like throw it in the yard and then lock the door and we go to bed. Right. And we're like, how crazy was that? A naked guy was trying to get in my house. So we're upstairs and we're like, wow, what insane. I'm texting you everything. Like, mm -hmm. you will not believe this. It can't get any weirder. And then let me in. <laughs> let me in and we're like no no way so we run downstairs and my face is pressed against the door like Anna from Frozen and do you want to build a snowman I'm like do you want to go away now what's going on they're back they're back with the gun they're gonna kill me you have to let me in and I this time I wasn't polite and I was like no fuck you you can leave and then he starts jiggling the handle this is when I'm freaking out he's jiggling the handle Moving the door, Eric runs upstairs and gets a Bowie knife. <laughs> so now he runs down and Eric's just standing there, kind of like a uh, when your character's loading a Mortal Kombat and they're bouncing back and yeah. forth with their weapon. And he's like, standing there and bouncing back and forth. Like, I'm like, what are you going to do with a knife? <laughs> and why do you need a knife? And he's like, you know how people are when they're high on drugs and they get that super strength. He'll bust that door down and I'm about to stab him in the leg. So now this guy's dressed. I don't know where he got clothes. He's now clothed because I looked through the window and he's got like these basketball shorts How on. How much time had passed? <laughs> 10 minutes. Why did the police leave let and him let him go? go? Uh, so I asked them that later and they said, well, there's not a lot of room in prison for somebody who's just high. 
he didn't commit a real crime. And I went, you mean breaking into my house naked isn't a crime? Well, hell, I'm a breaking your house naked. <laughs> but uh, so the, I called the cops again and I'm like, he's back. But I forgot that it was a different dispatcher. And she's like, who's back? <laughs> so I'd be like, this naked meth man is at my house, but he's not naked anymore. So the cops make a roundabout to come back. And then this time they're not playing with him anymore. They're done. I sent you the video of them dragging him off the porch while he's screaming, no, I don't want to go to jail. No. <laughs> so they have him in my yard. He knocked over like it was Christmas time and I had these giant candy canes in the yard. And he knocked them over and broke them in half. And all I could think of is he probably touched it with his ball sack. So I had to get rid of it. He's in the yard. He's crying. And the cops are like, what we tell you? And then they started being like, motherfucker, you need to leave. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So then I now they, they chased him off and I come outside. I'm like, why did you? I honestly looked him in the face. One of the cops and was like, why did you leave knowing he was trying to break into my house the first time? Well, we thought he'd be fine. I'm like, a naked guy <laughs> is beating on a door and he ruined my welcome mat with his ball sack. And you're telling me he seems harmless. <laughs> They're like, we learned our lesson. Well, fuck. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so they stayed on the porch with me and he walks up the hill. He stops, he turns around like a dog who had to leave, looks back like, will you let me come back? And the cop was like, go. <laughs> so now the cops like circle my house all night. Okay. So I'm like, wow, this can't get any crazier. A week later, I'm not saying the city because they'll give it away. But Live PD did an episode and I it was watched cops. it. No, it was like, was it? I thought it was Live PD. Either live PD or cops. I don't know. Either way, they did an episode here and I sent you a message and I was like, I'm screaming. And then I sent you a screenshot of the video from live PD or cops where they arrested naked mess man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the back of the car and your dumbass says, wait, is this the night? And I was like, the night he broke in? No, girl, he was naked. He has clothes in the sun. <laughs> So Naked Meth May was arrested later for drugs. <laughs> but that, that's the story of the naked guy who tried to break into my house. And uh, so West Virginia has Moth Man and I got Meth Man. <laughs> so was that, was that bright enough? Did that lighten it up a little? Oh, that lightened my heart so much. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine his butthole on my welcome mat. No, like, I will not imagine that. Like a cat. When they sit on your oh. counters and you're like, great, that cat's asshole touched oh. everything in this house. <laughs> That's how I felt about him. Oh. And I'll I didn't know that you could have meth marks on your butt. But I guess you'll pick anything when you're high. <laughs> I just that big bear ass. And his little twig and berries was hanging out. <laughs> Stuff. And I had neighbors with kids, too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, the next day, my neighbor's like, what happened to that crazy white boy trying to break into your house with his ball sack out? They said they beat on our door, but we wouldn't come to it. I was like, oh, I should have just ignored it. But he probably would have broke down the door. Yeah, but he also could have woken up your kids. Maybe. But and they then, were all in the back. I know, but. I, yeah. So, and then you were like, only you. Yeah. <laughs> only this shit happens to you. Mm, yeah. All right. So. Uh, um, We got a. What do we got? suggestion okay Let me pull up facebook and see who it was so so rewind one of our friends on facebook 
Stacy King, shout out. She um, suggested that at the end of our episodes, we leave a hint about our next story to see if anybody can guess it correctly for the next week. So this hint is for my story that we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's the next one. The next Episode one. four. Okay, so here's my hint. My killers got the first and most intense profile. I don't know what to say. I just like quotations around intense. He has the most intense profile. You hey, have any ideas? Uh, I have a, a joke. <laughs> What's your joke? Why is sex while camping so awesome? Because it's intense. Yeah! <laughs> Uh, okay, everybody. Thank you so much for what? listening. No, wait. Follow us on Instagram. That's what I was going to say. Oh, well, geez. Go ahead. Fine. Go ahead. Follow us on Insta. And <laughs> follow us on Insta. Follow us on Insta. And uh, we do actually have an email. So if you guys want to email maybe suggestions of stuff we can end an episode with, or if you got a funny story to tell, or a good suggestion of what to do, we part with somebody suggested funny ER stories once. We really want to um, try to incorporate our listeners somehow. Yeah. Maybe tell their stories. I'm not really sure what to do yet. If you have any ideas, let us know. Our email, um, you wrote it down. Our email is whineaboutmurder at yahoo.com. Our Instagram is whineaboutmurderpod. And like we said, we'll work on a Facebook page. Yeah. And if you guys need to message us anything, like, hey, um, like I said, tell us a story and you don't email because, you know, who emails anymore except us apparently. You can also direct message us on Instagram. Yeah. We, we'll check it. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Or if you have a podcast too and you want us to shout you out in return that you shout us out, we'll do it. Yeah. If any podcasts out there listen to us, we will listen back and shout you out. Like I said, uh, I got I listened to uh, Criminal Discourse, which they're a little tiny podcast, and I feel like they deserve so much more attention. I need to listen to that. They're, yeah, I, it was different. They were good. The girl was like in her 20s, and the other person's like probably, I think they said like in their 50s. I don't know how they got together because they're not related, hmm. but they had a really good chemistry and their information. They were straight to the point. No banter, not really any jokes, like straight information. If you yeah. want good straight information... Criminal Discourse was pretty good. Cool. All right. Is that it? That is everything. Thanks for sticking around for three episodes so far. We're doing it. We're doing it. Woo! We thought we'd be nothing, but now we're a little less of nothing. We got it. We got it going on, girl. Yes. Okay. <laughs> bye. And bye.